what you have isn't as important as who you are. And no one can tell you who you are except you. Welcome, everyone, to the Frontline Warriors Club, where we live it, not in it. Join us on this mission as we raise consciousness. You can find us on wearefrontlinewarriors.com. Now, before the show, let's take a minute to inhale. Exhale. I'll let the show begin. In this episode, we would like to introduce you to Juliet Oboto. Juliet is a certified brain coach, master hypnotherapist, and NLP practitioner and trainer. We talk about how you can change your thought process to overcome yourself and become the person you want to be. We also discuss how small changes in your life can lead to drastic results. Thank you for being here, Juliet. Thank you so much for your time. Can you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and what you're currently working on? Sure. Hi, everyone. So um, I'm a master certified hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner and somatic practitioner. Um, my background is in psychology research, but then I moved into the tech space, then fintech. And then finally, um, I went back to school. I'm in grad school now for psychology as I run my financial therapy practice. So we work with entrepreneurs and corporate professionals just to help you start to feel more comfortable with your success because a lot of times it's like you have to work really hard to keep the success you've obtained but um, my practice is all about showing people that there's an easier way and that success can be easy mm. is there a specific category in psychology you're obsessed with that you enjoy learning about right now yes uh, neurobiology and just how um, the basically the mind body connection, but how how it even dates farther back than you like basically your brain and body and your behaviors and reaction to your environment. It's not just about what you do now, but it's about what your great great grandmother did. <laughs> so yeah, so you could be as affected as um, far back as seven to eight generations. So it's a lot to consider like, oh, why can't I wake up early? It's like, oh, because it's not really um, wired within your brain and body. So you're going to have to put more effort than someone else that is um, a natural early riser. Mm. Is there like an, like an event or, or some singular moment that really made you realize how important or how how a big impact the mind body and connection have yeah so i actually had to be hospitalized when i was running my um agency i ran an agency before my practice and i was doing really well i had a lot of clients but i just tapped out and passed out in whole foods and so i had to be hospitalized and so i i was diagnosed with adrenal um failure so burnout essentially and so through the process of healing my burnout but also trying to 
align with my goals because I've always been a high achiever, high performer. I couldn't just, I didn't know how to not go over the top or not have goals. Like I've always had goals since I was like three. <laughs> I've always had goals and I come, that's like my background. And so I didn't know how to be able to come to grips with my goals and my beliefs, but also something that was also good for my body and healthy. Like, how can I strive without burnout? And so with hypnotherapy, I remember when I was working in sales, I had um, performance anxiety. And so I went to a hypnotherapist um, in New York, a psychologist that's also a hypnotherapist, and she helped me. And I didn't realize how much she helped me until like the, a year later, I hit all my sales goals. And I remembered how powerful hypnotherapy was. And so I circled back and started to study it. And then I became certified and then became a trainer. And now I'm back in grad school um, studying the mind and body again. And what thoughts were you having that you needed to change? Was it thoughts of like failure? Was it just negative thinking? Was it you're not doing too much? What thoughts did you have to get rid of to kind of push, push past your hurdles? the thought that I had to burn out that I had to work really hard to get the things that I want. So I had big goals. So I thought I had to work really, really hard to hit those big goals. Like if I wasn't pulling all nighters, if I wasn't drinking energy drinks, if I wasn't tired or miserable, then I wasn't on my way to hitting the goal. So in this case, how does hypnotherapy help? Are you changing the belief that you have to work hard enough to become successful? What exactly is hypnotherapy changing in the psychology of your brain? Exactly. Um, so it's the belief. It's the belief that you need to work hard in order to hit that particular goal. And this was um, specific to me. Some people have other beliefs that that cause them to do the same thing. So that's why it's really important to examine your beliefs because we both can be overworkers or overthinkers, but we have different beliefs that cause us to do that. So my strategy may be different from your strategy to release that belief so you can stop that. So it's always, it's all about the root cause, which is usually your beliefs and also um, your nervous system, how it reacts to certain um, stimuli. And then, I'm just going to say with hypnotherapy, how effective or how long is it effective? Because I'm sure eventually that belief is going to creep back in and you're going to have to do the work in real time when, let's just say, the trigger pops up. So does the hypnotherapy suppress a trigger or does it completely change the neural pathways where there's le less resistance to do the thing that normally you're not used to that behavior? Yeah, exactly. So with hypnotherapy it releases the trigger. So you, you're no longer triggered by that thing. So you don't have to um, tap it away. You don't have to breathe it away. You just no longer see that as a reaction. And it could be anything. I used to hate <laughs> eating with people because of the mouth noises. Like I, my sensory, so I would just, I couldn't do it. I'm like, oh gosh. But then, um, do you guys remember my nephew, my little nephew? So I would be hanging with him and he's a little kid. So he's like, <laughs> and so I was like, I have to, 
I have to, um, I don't want to be mad at my nephew. So I have to deal with it. I have to get rid of this. And so I was able to identify like when that came about and I released it. Now people could be chomping away like right here. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. So just releasing that trigger is, is true liberation, mental liberation. So you don't even have to worry about it because the trigger is really you noticing that thing and then being used to reacting in a certain way to that thing. So it's not like, so it's, so when you do hypnotherapy, you're able to stop the need to notice the thing. But if you do happen to notice it, you don't react the same. You replace the reaction. Yeah. So, so in, in a sense, it's like, you might have those thoughts come in, but you're not going to react to them like you normally would. Like it's, it's natural to, to think negatively sometimes, but you're not reacting to that negative thinking. So with, when it comes to hypnotherapy and, and um, neuro-linguistic programming, are they very similar? Because NLP is essentially you just changing your thoughts and your mind and the way you, way you think of things. Is that, is that something that like, that's the same as hypnosis or is there like different aspects of hypnosis that kind of differentiate between, between NLP and that? Yeah, so the difference is just the um, the part of the brain. So NLP is um, helping you rewire your prefrontal cortex, your conscious mind, or your conscious mind, how you perceive information. So that's the important part of, um, I, that's why I do NLP before I even do a hypnotherapy session, because then you're able to twist or switch around how, or reframe how you see the trigger, right? So um say you, you don't like people ignoring you. With NLP, you could reframe it and say, well, everyone always has a lot on their mind. It's not about you, it's about them. And then we would do a hypnotherapy session to lock in that new belief. So then that's the automatic thought instead of you thinking, oh, wait, it's like it releases the need to think, oh, wait, it's just how you think now. So you kind of that's your natural setting. It's not something that you have to take a step to think or believe. You just believe it. So you don't even react to it anymore. Why are these techniques so powerful versus just using the conscious mind? Is it the, the imagination that you're using during these trans-like states that are creating more suggestibility in your change of behavior? Yeah, so it's the, um, the brain state that you're in. So you're more sustainable open to suggestions um, and also repetition is integration because it took a number of times for that feeling or that thought and belief for you to think it's true. So it's going to take um, kind of the same mechanism for you to believe it's not true and to believe something else. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned um, things in the prefrontal cortex. So is that the, the same location that makes you uh, more susceptible to changing your, your beliefs as well? Is, is that like, do you trigger something in your prefrontal cortex that makes you maybe more malleable in your thoughts? Yeah, so um, that's, that's a great question. So with the prefrontal cortex, the work that you do there is going to help you with how you perceive certain things. Like, like the person ignoring you, you will not immediately perceive it as the person ignoring you. You're going to see it as someone's just being busy. And so this way you won't have that immediate reaction 
you know, from your nervous system where you either um, go into fight or flight because you hate people ignoring you. So you are able to catch it immediately. So you don't even have to feel that way. You're, you stay in homeostasis because you shifted your perception. You shifted your thinking. Mm-hmm. And with, with, hypnoth- with uh, hypnotherapy, is, is this like um, like repetition of a word that you say to yourself? How does the hypnotism aspect of, of that look like? So it's, it's different for everyone. It's really important that um, you kind of understand how the person thinks, like what words mean to them. And um, also you understand like what they say to themselves to, to lock in a certain belief. So like using the example, people ignore them. Why do people always ignore me? Why do people always ignore me? Why do people always ignore me? So someone would put that on a questionnaire. And so you could take that statement and put in the hypnosis and, and say, people always pay attention to you. People always pay attention to you. People always pay attention to you. So you replace that ignoring with pay attention. And so that is the new thought that they think. Because we essentially think the same thoughts every day. And that's why we have a certain time in our lives that are, that's like kind of um, the same days mold together. Like a year is similar to last year or something because you're thinking the same thoughts. So if you want to change your life, you have to change your thoughts and what you constantly repeat to yourself. So um, NLP and hypnotherapy help you do that without, um, anyone could do it without it, but it makes it so much easier and it makes it stick. I know in the beginning of the episode, you're mentioning psychology, but also the generational trauma in a sense that's coming back into this behavior that's altering the way we feel and think. Does treatment or the brain training programs differ for patients that have maybe lineage trauma or noticing things that are coming back from the past that's not from their lived reality? Yeah, yeah. So we would go deeper and do um, something where it would be a rewind. So we would, the memory, it wouldn't be something that they experienced in the present. Um, We would kind of go back in time, maybe even before they were born, to identify when this energy or this memory came to be because your body stores memories. So the before language. And so during trance, you're able to bring up the memory and create a language or create an energy that you can release. So you can release that with hypnotherapy and no longer hold on to that intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, trance. What is the, like, what is the, the state of trance? And how do you get somebody in in the state of trance? So you can use different um, methods. So just going into alpha state, so where your brain is more susceptible to suggestions and you're able to visualize um, a little bit better in that state. So it's all about relaxing um, your body first and then having you go to a special place in your mind um, using language and based on the information that they say. Some people, the way that you, it might be something, a feeling that will take you to the place or sound or a word. 
So depending on the person, um, you say that specific word, you elicit that specific feeling, or you play a certain sound, like with sound bowls, and it'll take them to that place. Mm. So you just want them in like a complete state of relaxation where they then become a little bit more more vulnerable because you know they're relaxed and they don't think anything's gonna hurt them, and it just you just naturally want to open up a little bit more. It's almost like you're getting their their mind off of things because I notice sometimes when I'm in like a car with somebody and and having them maybe drive and just focus on driving, even though like a driving seems like something chaotic, but them just being focused on that driving, it's almost relaxing. And I notice that people open up, open up more and are more willing to talk about things when they're like driving, for example, or in this case, like a, like a relax, like a, in a relaxed way, because they don't feel like something's going to hurt them. Exactly. Yeah. So if someone has experienced trauma, it's harder sometimes to get them to relax. So combining all four things will usually get someone into a deeper state of trance. So anyone could be hypnotized. It just takes different methods for certain people. Yeah, like same with like kids, when you really want to talk to a child and get their emotions out, like you play with them on blocks because they're focused on the blocks and they're a little bit more open to suggestion, open to, to talking and they're focused on those blocks and those blocks. But at the same time, they're telling you how they feel. They're telling you different things. So it kind of works like the same way. I like the exactly. <clears throat> I like that you mentioned kids kids blocks because I feel like a lot of people in our society they're they lost their connection with imagination and they don't know how to alter their state of reality. Technically, they think that that one emotion, that one thought that they're feeling, and they're just running with it. They don't know how to say, "Hey, my reality is just like child blocks. I'm able to alter the blocks at the way they're moving, and I could change the way I'm feeling in the moment." So for anybody that wants to create space between the stimuli so they don't react a specific way or they don't allow their emotions to take hold of them, aside from like NLP or hypnosis, is there any other uh, methods that you recommend for this? Yeah, um, breath work is a great uh, method. Just taking that deep breath or um, a vagal exercise. You can start humming or singing. Um, that that really kind of reconnects you back to your body. It's just like, hey, I'm I'm here. Or you can use um, an emotional anchor, like a physical anchor, like touching the knuckles or pulling the airlobe or the rubber band. Some people like to use. So that just that combination of physical stimuli and linking it to emotional stimuli will bring you back to where where you rather be versus like dealing whatever the stimuli is like i know when i was working with um a lot of first responders in 2020 we would do the emotional anchor or the rubber band when they were dealing with um any cases that were really severe so they needed that like right then they couldn't just like go hold on i'm gonna go do a hypnosis session they're like you're fired first of all <laughs> like you're like i need something right now so um we had to think of different strategies that they take five seconds to do five mm. seconds and what is the purpose of this emotional anchor is it just regrounding them to what reality is because they're going down a rabbit hole of impulsive thoughts and narratives what is the the main purpose there yeah to um essentially stop the spiraling so if you are feeling anger or feeling stress or fear we would identify um, your special emotion like you want to feel calm 
then you would use that anchor to get back to calm, to stop spiraling. And I know in the beginning of the show, you mentioned somatics. So how has your practice or your approach of doing NLP or breath, breath work or uh, hypnosis, how has that changed uh, thinking about the somatic approach to the body? So I've been incorporating a lot more sound healing. Um, so using sound to be able to connect with people physically. Um, so they're not just, if they're having trouble visualizing, some people have trouble visualizing, or if they're having trouble hearing my words, they can still feel the sound to get the result. So even if they're not paying attention, they're still going to experience a shift. Can you just like explain what exactly somatics is? Sure. So somatics is just um, working with the body, your nervous system, um, specifically your autonomic nervous system and your limbic system. So you can do um, certain limbic exercises to help you um, manage. So, so basically resetting the nervous system, not just regulating it. We go back to the past when you first experienced that trigger and we remap your nervous system to more aligned and healthier state. So you, it's not that you don't get triggered, but you don't get as triggered as you used to get triggered. So then you can start to regulate because some of the exercises that they have, um, like if they people are experiencing a lot of trauma, yoga is not going to really help them. Meditation is not really going to help them. So they need this deep, deep somatic work so they can start feeling normal or better in their bodies. So then if you feel better in your bodies, then you feel comfortable thinking about different ways and thinking about a better future. Mm -hmm. And with all the people that you work with, is there like a common theme that you see uh, within society or with the people that you work with? Is Because you mentioned triggers a lot. Is it, do you see like people have a lot of anger issues, a lot of triggers in general? Is it like an anxiety issue? What's uh, maybe like a common theme that you've noticed within people? Lack of self-confidence, something like that? Ambitious, but anxious. So they're very ambitious people, but it's like they stress their way to the top, essentially. <laughs> you know, like um, failure was not an option. Like if they fail, failure equals death, essentially. So they couldn't fail. It wasn't like they're so good that they didn't fail. It's like they just stressed out so much and they worked so hard that they didn't. And so now that they're at the top, they're really afraid. And it's it, you can't maintain that level of performance over a long period of time without it affecting your mental health and your physical health. And I think catching anxiety is difficult because it masks the symptoms, just like you said, being ambitious or how do you cultivate this place of safety for those patients that are go-getters technically, but internally don't have a, a safety net for themselves and are constantly anxious about the what ifs and what's going to happen? So imagine like, um, you're climbing a mountain and you have climbed all the way to the top and now you have to climb down. Um, and so basically you do that when you, do you guys, have you guys been climbing? Um, like you did a little the, bouldering and rock climbing. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you, you're just doing the jumps down, like, so that's essentially what we do with the, the, um, treatment that we have is basically doing the jumps down descending. So basically showing them that if they reduce the amount of effort, 
they can still get that level of success with less effort. So I'll say, so we'll do something where it's like, how about you reduce the number of um, calls you do this week? How about you reduce the number of hours you work this week? How about you stop answering emails after this time? Let's see what happens. So giving them the emotional and physical support, but then also the strategy so they can see the shift and changes in their reality. And they realize, wow, my world did not fall apart by me turning off my phone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And people need need to see that because people always assume the more work I do, the the better I'll perform, the more successful I get. But it's like, if you drop your workload by 10%, I put that 10% to like your personal life, your, your hobbies, you're going to see a greater improvement in, in your life overall in general versus you just putting in 10% more in just one section, which is to just work. Like you giving 10% for yourself impacts your, your whole life and everything around you versus just 10% for that work, which is just impacting that work, which isn't as valuable in a sense. Exactly. And um, I really try to lean, help them switch into the 80-20 rule where 20% of your work gets you 80% of your results. Like that's the new belief. That's your new way of living. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strong. And you also mentioned that you're going to uh, graduate school. So what are you pursuing with that? So I want to get my PhD. Well, I am going to, <laughs> I am getting my PhD. So I'm going to use it to um, hopefully fund some research initiatives to really just show people there are different ways to live. It's just so ingrained in our culture to work so hard or to just accept less. Um, And so I wanna show people that doing less can actually help you gain more. You mentioned research. What kind of uh, research are you trying uh, trying to do is it like with with pharmaceuticals or just more research in like the cognitive level? Yeah, the cognitive level and with high performers, um, people in academia, people in corporate, and also hopefully use that research to help decision makers and leaders build healthier workspaces or workplaces. Um, because I can say everything I want to a client, but at the end of the day, if they go to work and they're like, hey boss, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna t- do less hours this week and they're like, you're fired. So, you know, there's only so much you could do. So I wanna bring it to the top. So they see that, hey, this actually helps our bottom line by reducing the number of hours our employees work. Mm. Yeah. What what are some strategies you're currently implementing for your own mental well being that you enjoy on a day to day? Definitely make it outside, outside air, even if it's raining here in New York. Um, I try to, and then I try to go somewhere different each month, variety in in the routine. I don't want to, I always change up my routine each month just to keep building new neural pathways. Uh, Lots of sunlight, drinking plenty of water, um, connecting with people in person, not just um, over the camera or the phone, like actually human contact um, has been helpful. Playing more, that has really been helpful. And I try to make my business just um, 30% of my life. So right now it's like 40, but <laughs> 45. Okay, 50. 50% of my life. <laughs> I don't want to lie to people. 
<laughs> but that's the goal for this year to make it like 30 percent mm. i um i know you mentioned uh in the beginning that when people come for you ask for help you usually start with the nlp then move to uh, some kind of a variation of, of hypnosis. Can you walk us again, like maybe what you would do with, with somebody that is is new, that's asking for help, trying to change their life, life a little bit. Can you walk us through, through the steps of of how you would go about to getting to know them and then um, helping them kind of change their, their reality, you could say? Yeah, so first I would ask like, what recently has happened to bring you here? Because it's usually like you um, asked me beginning of the interview like what event kicked off this change so like what event um, led you here to to me because it's usually something significant and um, based on that I would ask them like what would you has this been something a reoccurring theme um, has it happened every year every month and based on that I would say what would you prefer to have happen how do you want how do you want your life to be how do you want your business to be how do you want to feel and they would tell me that, have you tried working on this before? What have you done? Why wasn't it success, successful? And then I would ask them, so what do you tell yourself each day when you wake up? And what do you tell yourself each night when you go to sleep? And it's surprising to answer, it's, that's a surprising question for a lot of people, but they do have an answer to that because they tell themselves the thing every morning and every night you do say something to yourself and so um i asked them what would their ideal outcome be like where do they want to be in six months in a year and based on that we would talk about their current beliefs um, their current emotions and that would help me basically develop the the journey, the mental journey that the person has to take in order to get to their future selves. Because, you know, um, with time, it's not really like linear. It's like your goal, you have to become the type of person to have that goal, or you have to become the type of person to achieve a state or, you know, you, you two had to be in a certain way to suddenly say, all right, I'm going to Thailand, right? You had to be, there had to be shifts that took place within you to make that decision. And so that's what the session is about. Creating those shifts in one session that would equate to six to a year, six months to a year's worth of work. And is there like a, sorry, one thing. Is there like an ideal amount of like sessions that someone has to go through to achieve this? Or does this vary between in each individual? And also, do they get assigned like, like, like you could say like homework, things to think about um, when they're outside of, of like the meeting space or things that, that they should do um, outside of, of meeting with you? Yeah, so I recommend um, a quarterly session for the least or monthly sessions for at least a year because it took a certain number of years to get you to this space. So it's going to take a little bit more than one session to help you get the results that you need. Um, I kind of did a, um, a study of my clients just to see like how many sessions they have versus them hitting their goals with me. And it did take about at least three to four sessions for people to consistently say, yes, I hit my goal and I went far beyond that. 
In terms of homework, I just usually create custom audios for them to listen to um, in the morning and at night. And then um, if they want additional conscious work or things that for them to think of, I have that for them. But really, all they have to do is listen to the custom audios and the inner work is is what they need. They'll start to see the changes in their outer reality. It becomes natural. It's just like them shifting into that future self or that new version of themselves each day. So it sounds amazing the journey that you take your clients on. And one thing that stood out to me was the way you're navigating their belief gap. You mentioned they have to already become this person they want to become. It almost seems like the whole law of quantum quantum physics where they have to become the vibration of frequency that they want to transmit technically so they just become that person. And how do you begin to help somebody understand that? Do you teach them that concept of becoming somebody already so they start changing their behavior? Or do you just um, give them different methods of homework or learning and then they just become it themselves? Is it the concept that matters mostly in, or the principle in this scenario? Um, I do explain the concept. I kind of, I simplify it, call it like their universal design and kind of tell, explain to them like the person that you want to be thinks completely differently than you do. Like you can imagine, um, remember if you imagine you going to your 16 year old self, like you were crying because you couldn't go to the movies with your friends. Now, now like look at you, like you, you, you have different you know, idea of life. So that's going to be the same thing. So I say, you're going to look at yourself differently. You're going to believe certain things and you're going to value certain things. And because you value certain things, it's not going to be hard for you to do certain things, right? Um, it's not going to be a hurdle for you to say, you know what? I'm not available for that anymore because you are this new person. And so in order to do that, you, but in order to do that, you need to do X, Y, Z. And so I lay out what their custom plan is. And as long as they stick to that, they will look back six months from now or a year from now and be like, I'm a completely different person. Because it's almost like when you see those stop motion um, progression of like when people are like, I, I recorded myself um, from age five to 17 or something. And then it's like, all of a sudden you start see like it's not really changing. And then you see the changes. So all the little things add up essentially. And I love how you mentioned just piggybacking back off your routine that you said and how you like to change things every single month. I think that's a beautiful answer that you responded because some people say meditation, breath work, and let's just say journaling, and they need to create this routine every single day. And it's almost like, a mental anxiety, a mental noise that they're building up because if they don't take out their journal and write something that day, they're going to completely seem off versus, you know, that human, even though humans are creatures of repetition and habit, we could also switch that up. Like you mentioned every single month and still be sane in our routines and not feel overwhelmed. Like we're not doing the thing to be mentally well. Yeah, exactly. So I had to let go of having and, and especially I have ADHD so I get bored and I would feel guilty not sticking with something but then I realized that me not sticking with something is a routine 
So every month I have something new. And even like my organizational methods, people are like, oh, do you use a planner? I'm like, sometimes. <laughs> One month I'll use a planner. Um, this month I'm currently loving monday.com. Um, last month it was Trello. But as long as I get what I need, then it's good, right? It's okay. Right. It's all just about figuring out. Like if you don't have a set routine, that's not always necessarily a bad thing. It's just your, I guess you could say like your life in a sense isn't isn't a routine yet. It doesn't mean it's not going to be and doesn't doesn't mean that just because somebody does these four things before they, they wake up and you don't do all that it doesn't make you any less of a, of, a, of a person or doesn't make you any worse. We just we, we all have a, we all have our own routines and we sometimes we think we don't, but we really do. It is what we do on a daily basis that that's just gets overlooked. Like some people go on a walk in the morning and they don't consider that that as part of the routine. They just consider it something that they do. And, and when you ask them, hey, what's your daily routine? They never mentioned that walk in the morning because they just almost like subconsciously do it every day where it's like, no, you do have a routine. You just don't really realize that, that, that you do. And it's and it's the beauty of a, of a routine is everyone should have their own routine. You shouldn't be following someone's routine because because then it's like you're trying to be somebody that you're not. You're trying to. Not necessarily like follow someone's footsteps because that could be a good thing, but like you're putting yourself in a, in a situation that that you're not doing for the right reasons. You're just doing it just just to seem like like somebody. But why are you mm -hmm. trying to seem like somebody? You should just try to be yourself. And it's a lot harder to try and seem like somebody versus just just being yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's why so many people um, I see like they try TikTok trends like becoming that girl, and then they fall off, and they're like, oh, back in my self development slump. I'm like, because you're performing self-development, you're not actually doing it or being and enjoying the journey. Like the the shift in identity, it does, you know, reach your habits, your day-to-day. -day. Like you said, there's something that you do. So there is something that I do now that's completely different from my past self that shows that I have um, shifted into the person I want to be, which is... I make my bed every morning and I make sure that my sink is has no dishes or anything before I go to bed. And that was something I struggled with, especially with ADHD. But now it's like just now it's just it's not even a thought. It's like, nope, bed is made. Dishes are washed. Bed is made. Dishes are washed. It's just done. Yeah, it's crazy. How the rest of the that, apartment, I don't know. <laughs> hey, baby steps, you know, baby steps. And like, <laughs> just like doing those things and seeing yourself be able to finish those things, it like impacts everything else. For example, like working on a project in the future, just something gets impl imp implemented subconsciously just by you every day or every other day or whatever your routine is, is making your bed, doing those dishes. Just the fact that you subconsciously seeing that you're capable of doing this, it, it, it travels to everything else in your life. Big project coming up, you think you're not gonna do it, but guess what, somebody, it gets done. It, it got done because you know you could do it sub subconsciously, just sometimes you don't feel like you can, but you can because same way you did the dishes, same way you did your bed, same way you could do that, do that project, same way you could do the homework, same way you could do anything else that you wanna do. Yeah. That's how I feel it about really the, that's how I feel about the habits and routines that you guys are mentioning. So you can meditate for a month straight because you need to calm your nervous system, calm your mind. And let's just say after a month that gives you Zen, you don't necessarily always have to continue that. You could do things on a maintenance. You could do it maybe every three, four, five days. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can forget about the meditation itself, but then in three weeks you had a bad trigger 
you started having trouble breathing, you were tense, hey, maybe it's time to go back to that routine for a little bit just to regulate that body again. Mm -hmm. So nothing has to be fixed into your life. I think that's where the mental anxiety could come in if you miss a habit and then you think that you're not good enough as a person to continue your day or to have mm -hmm. this amazing day or live in gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I had that happen to me with reading books. I'm I, I forgot what his name was, but that was like that that one YouTuber that had like like a Ferrari or something in his garage, and he had a bookshelves in his garage. Uh, Ty Lopez. Ty Lopez, and he was always saying read books, read books, read books. So I was like trying to almost like follow him so deeply while while I was reading books, and then I was reading so much that I realized that I was not retaining any information, and it, and it became so mundane to me that I like stopped liking to read books because I would just read so much a day where I just stopped liking it. And then I stopped reading for like a solid six months and I realized like, like what the hell happened that I used to read books and used to enjoy them and somehow I like tarnished my, my enjoyment for books. And I realized I was doing it too much. And now what I, what I do is I like at least read 10, 10 pages because then I know I can re retain 10 pages and if I wanna do more, I'll do more. But like 10 pages is comfortable enough for me to, to learn something for that day and retain it. And if I wanna do more, that's just, I'm just doing it just, just for fun. And just having like, like that simple thing like changed my perspective of, of, of like for books once again, where I, now I enjoy reading again. Because before I was reading it just to read, just to, just to say, hey, I read this book in a week and typically it takes a person a month to read this. And it's like, did I learn from it? No, because I read it so fast and like forced myself to do it where I, where I just hated doing it and it became so mundane where, where I flipped and now it's like, just I just read however much I want. If I want to read 10 pages, I read 10 pages. If I want to read 20, I read 20. Yeah. But I, I, I learn it, I retain it, and I still enjoy it. I'm not pressured in, into it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, guilt is like the worst feeling to have attached to a habit or anything. Yeah. Because it just, it just drains you. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting why people attach guilt to things. Right? I just thought about a theory right now. I think it's the way we attach to external validation and external things of just feeling good enough. So, you know, not saying that books made you feel worthy of yourself, but any kind of habit, mm -hmm. you may be going work out six times a, or drinking the protein shake in the morning, you attach so much self-worth into that routine where you become it. And then if you fall off the routine, it takes away almost like a piece of the pie of who you are, but you're never losing your worth because you already are beautiful because you're made in the image of source god or insert your you know hp yeah exactly it's it's really interesting how when you just release that attachment it makes life a whole lot easier <laughs> like not not the need to self-validation to make yourself happy or to make yourself or to please yourself it, it makes life so much more enjoyable for anybody listening out there, what are some simple tips to maintaining a healthy mindset? So um, just watch how you speak to yourself. Be kind to yourself internally, um, not just when everyone is around. Um, have a ritual or something that is just for you, that just gives you pleasure. A guilt, not even Not a guilty pleasure, just a pleasure pleasure that you just do for yourself. You don't have to record it. You don't have to log it. It's not for anyone. Um, and definitely try to go outside every day to get some sunlight and fresh air. It makes a difference. And if you can, sweat as well. Sweat daily. That's a big one. I'm a big pro of sweating daily. <laughs> I think I sweat too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
So Julia, uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or seek for any kind of help or guidance? I'm on Instagram at Juliet C. Aboto and on YouTube, um, The Million Dollar Hypnotist. And of course, you could also check out my website for more information at uh, FordInstitute.com. And one last question we'd like to ask a lot of our guests. So if you had to share one last piece of advice with the world, what would it be and why? That what you have isn't as important as who you are and no one can tell you who you are except you did somebody tell you that quote before or why does that resonate with you so much because i've been working with younger people who are really attached to um their value to things and i just remember i wish someone told me that when i was younger like how i'm telling them so it's just know your worth exactly Awesome. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you being here. No problem. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. Um, the sunshine. I'm going to enjoy some rain. <laughs> 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 Expect that drop box of sunshine later. <laughs> for sure. to send it. But yeah, I'll let you know if I'm um, in the area, mm. if we d- decide to do the retreat in um, the fall. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. be fun. Thank you so much, Julia. All right.